Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. We are so glad that you're here spending your day with us today. I am so excited because we are back with another episode of the Sell Better Daily Sales Show. Welcome in. If this is your first time joining us, we do this every single day. You can scan that QR code on your screen or you can head to sellbetter.xyz to check it out. If you'd rather listen on audio, check us out on your favorite podcast location. Um, And our YouTube is there for you as well. I would love if you could change your chat settings from hosts and panelists, the little blue bubble at the bottom of your chat, change it to everyone so everyone can see everything you're sharing and let us know where you're tuning in from. Today, our fantastic sponsors, who this would not be possible without, are Magical and Untap Your Sales Potential. Magical's an awesome Chrome plugin. If you haven't downloaded it, we'll get you a link to that. But I wanted to share our guest today is from Untap Your Sales Potential. If you are in the room and you are in an AE role and you're looking for like a whole sales transformation, this is everything from enterprise level sales skills, mastering your mindset. Ian and Tanvir and team have done this like really incredible job of capturing all of that into a course and developing salespeople. So we got a link for you with a discount if you want to check it out. Today, we're talking about cold messaging and just a prospecting framework and strategy that's going to convert at a much higher rate. And your fantastic guest of the day is the one and only Tanvir from Untap Your Sales Potential. Welcome. Thank you for having me. What a beautiful introduction. And I'm just so pumped to be here. Listen, um, the amount of messages I got when you were coming on the show, it's like overwhelming. I feel like you're the most popular person on LinkedIn with just like a wonderful group of people supporting and touting all of your sales skills. I'm so excited. That's that's amazing to hear. And yeah, I'm equally as excited. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Well, let us know what role you're in here in the poll, everyone. And Tanvir is going to be covering with us um, his framework, what he's using to prospect and be successful, including seven effective prospecting habits for your cold outreach success. We're going to talk. You have uh, delightfully shared some examples and some screenshots. We've got receipts, everyone. (laughs) We're going to be showing some of those. You can walk us through them. And then at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those revenue generating activities. Are you ready to dive in? How are we feeling? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's jump right in. I'm so ready. Let's see um, who's in the room and what we have going on before we jump into content. Uh, Lots of AEs. Lots of AEs. Go check out Untap Your Sales Potential if you want to learn a little bit more about them. Um, We'll link that again in the chat here for you. Perfect. But as we're jumping in, I want to quickly ask you, have you personally, Tanvir, seen one channel converting at a higher rate for you when it's, well, we're talking about cold outreach, email, phone, social, where are you headed first? What's like your go-to for executive level prospecting? Email is always my go-to. Email is still something since the dot of time. I don't know, maybe that's extreme, but 
Execs check their emails. They do have EAs at times, but usually one of the first things executives are doing when they wake up in the morning is opening their phone and checking their email to see what they missed from the night before. Um, so emails that go to, I mean, the phone is always going to be another fundamental channel as well. But here's the reality, Leslie, is that different people respond to different things and different people adapt to different things. So that's why it's important to not just do do phone and email, but also expose yourself to the other styles of prospecting, you know, LinkedIn, text, the different avenues that you can use in person because different people respond to different things. I like cookie dough for ice cream. I don't know what you like, but probably, you know, a different flavor and same goes for everyone else in the chat. So you got to try different things for different people. I always think about like our friends and family who maybe they won't respond to a text, but they'll pick up the phone and call you or they are never on text, but they'll hit you up on Instagram with a meme. And you're like, I know your phone's in your hand right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you going to answer me? Exactly. I love it. You... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, sometimes you got to cater it to like your industry or your persona, right? So yes. if you're in manufacturing, a lot of people in manufacturing might not be on LinkedIn. Yeah. So spending some time on LinkedIn, trying to do some social selling might not get you very far versus calling them up straight away. They might pick up their phone. They're more used to it, right? So just as an example. 100%, like knowing your audience, knowing who you're calling into and tailoring it to them. Okay, love it. Love it all. I just put up a poll to see what everybody else is feeling if we're in the same boat. And uh, I'll leave it up for a few more minutes. But shockingly, no one has voted snail mail yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good letter in the mail. Okay. Me too. Great. It's the best. No bills. Like we'll stick the bills to the side. But when you get like a good letter in the mail, I mean, come on. Okay. Talk to me. Give me a quick overview of your seven P's here. I brought them up. So if you want to take a screenshot, feel free. Yeah. I, I based this on, you know, the sil- seven highly effective hab- or seven highly effective habits of effective people uh, by Dale Carnegie. Um, there's seven highly effective prospecting habits too, right? Uh, but the challenge is nowadays, not even nowadays, but for for a while, a lot of folks go into prospecting blind, right? They know that they have to make X amount of calls, send X amount of emails, do X amount of outreach. And so they show up to their day wondering, well, what should I do today? Who should I reach out to? All right, I guess I got to figure that out. What am I going to say? And so that's why I've laid this out because this is kind of the same 7P prospecting framework I've used. Um, to lead pipeline at Salesforce, to double my amount of meeting rate booked once I started using this framework, um, and to get a lot more responses from executives within a 24-hour period. So number one is prepare. Number two is personalize problem, present a point of view, have some proof, have a nice little PS at the end. And then the final one is persist. I've actually got an eight P that we can talk about if we have time, but it's a little, it'll bonus, a little suspense to keep people uh, interested. Okay, so before we jump into like each one, you met you mentioned doubling your response rate. Yeah. From following this strategy. Yeah. Talk to me about like what does that feel like? What does that look like? Just that double in your response rate, really quick. Well, one, it felt pretty pretty darn great to to have that start to happen and see more success because frankly, it wasn't a lack of effort. Right. Yeah. I was making a lot of calls. I was getting sending a lot of emails. But I wasn't getting a ton of results. And I think a lot of AEs, SDRs, BDRs run into this nowadays where they're actually putting in the work, like from a, a grit and grind standpoint, they're doing a lot of effort, but not seeing the results in the back end. And so they end their day. I used to end my days feeling like, you know, 
I just ran a marathon. I'm exhausted. I did all this work, but I didn't get any results. So what I realized is that I need to be more intentional, more purposeful with the way that I prospect. And that's what's going to allow me to sort of brace through the noise and and get some more meetings on the board. So we can start uh, we can start jumping through those those hoops. Yeah, I definitely. I think that's really powerful because so many people do go in every day and like hammer the phones. I've had many a former leader tell me just control what you can control. Turn up the number of dials you make. Turn up the number of emails you send. But that's not always the case, right? Like you're saying you follow this framework and all of a sudden your output is better. Your response rate is better. Yes, exactly. It's beautiful. You can, you know, do volume all day long, but if there's no substance behind the volume now, nowadays when, you know, you have to think about it from the, from the prospect standpoint, right? Their inboxes are flooded. Their, their phones are getting blown up. When you have something to say, you better have something good to say. Yeah. This framework sort of walks through what that looks like. Okay. Let's jump in then. Uh, number one is prepare. Again, feel free. You'll get the recording. Everyone will get the recording, but um, you can take screenshots throughout and yeah. run us through. So the biggest, arguably the biggest change I made to the way that I prospected was this, the preparation stage. So before, again, it was, I would show up to my day, be like, okay, I need to make 50 calls today. Who am I going to call? All right, let me pull up all the tabs. Okay, well, but what am I going to say? Let me do some research. And what this resulted in was in a one hour, 90 minute prospecting block where I should be making 50 calls. Instead, I'm spending half the time just trying to do research, figure out who I'm going to call and how I'm going to contact them. What I then did was instead take an hour every Monday, an hour to, to 90 minutes to figure out who exactly am I going to contact this week? When am I going to contact them? So what prospecting block can I block it off in my calendar? Where will I be contacting them? Am I going to email them? Am I going to cold call them? Am I going to use LinkedIn? Am I going to do a combination of the of those few? And then what exactly will I say? Mm. So my exact format, and this is going to sound a little maybe ancient to a lot of people, but I just would pull up my Apple Notes tab and I would say, okay, these are the names of the people that I'm going to reach out to, the executives that I'm going to reach out to. All right. This is the channel that I'm going to reach out to, to them on. And I would write down the channel. And then what am I going to say? In that sense, it was usually, okay, what hook am I going to use to grab this person's attention? And we're going to talk about that in, in the personalization slide. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's just something quick that I can use in the intro line to capture their intention so that they open the email. So that's one thing is I want to get, in order to double your bookings, I need to get more people to open the emails and open the messaging that I'm sending. Yeah. Number two, the next step is how do I get them to reply, which we'll talk about in the the future sense of the framework. But as long as I was prepared, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I think this is so important because so many times it's like we talk about time blocking, right? So many people talk about time blocking and how we do it. And if I just have a block on my calendar that says prospecting and it maybe doesn't go into all this detail, it's really easy to delete or to move or to spend time in that block on admin tasks, like building this list and, you know, what am I going to do? So you're saying taking that away, it makes it so you can show up for your blocked and block, blocked, blocked prospecting piece and just do all these things that you said you're going to do because you've done the admin piece. I've done all the de- decision making beforehand. So one of the biggest challenges is that when people are getting their prospecting block, they're having to make all these decisions in order to get momentum in order to start their prospecting. Yeah. When I show up to my prospecting blocks, I don't have any of that. I know who I'm contacting. 
and I can just pull up the tabs in, in Salesforce and be like, okay, number one, number two, number three, number four, I've emailed them through. Now I can call them through. That's it. I've done my process. I've done what I needed to do. The wow. problem is most people show up to the prospecting block and they're constantly task switching. They're making yeah. an email, they're sending a call, they're then going to LinkedIn, they're then going to Slack, and that just gets rid of all the valuable revenue generating activity time mm-hmm. that they could otherwise be using. Beautiful. I love it. Um, I'm curious if anyone else does that for themselves and or if like you're going to start. And I will say like, this is an enterprise version where you're picking three or four people, but you can always, no matter how many accounts or how many prospecting activities you have to do, like pick your top five or your top 10 or whatever it's going to be. Exactly. You can adapt it. Yeah. I love that. But in any situation, okay, let's dive into personalization. Yeah. So this is one of the biggest pieces, right? Is you want to have something to cut through the noise. Your prospects inboxes are flooded. If you don't have something that stands out, it's it's just going to get lost in the sea of, of messaging that they get. Mm-hmm. So there's five ways that you can prospect. The best is to prospect to the individual. So like you mentioned, Leslie, a lot of this is applicable for executive outreach, executive prospecting. And if I'm reaching to reaching out to about like a tier one account, I am trying to find some personalization on the indi- on the individual. So were they on a podcast? Is there an interview that they did? Is there something that I can grab from their LinkedIn? something that I can use that will really hook them in and be like, wow, this person did their research on me and knows exactly who I am in their messaging. I'm not an AI robot with some random, you know, random, you know, fun fact that they went to X university. That's not personalization. It's more so, hey, you mentioned this. I saw this on your profile. I noticed uh, that comment that you might've made. So something to really personalize towards them. Now, if you're, if you can't find anything, in some cases you can't, right? People work in industries where Again, there's not that much public information. Can you personalize to the persona? So what exactly does a VP of sales in that industry, in that region, what sort of challenges do they potentially face? Right? What does their day-to-day look like? Now, I, I kind of said something bad about AI earlier, but the great thing about AI now is that you can just go to ChatGPT and ask these questions. Right? What does a VP of sales in high tech in Arizona, what are some of their priorities and what are they dealing with? What are some macroeconomics, microeconomic challenges that they're that they're dealing with. And then even more, if you, for whatever reason, you can't use persona personalization, you can get personalization based on the company they're at. So any website updates, any social media updates, any new press releases, uh, you can personalize based on the competition. This one's not as, as much used, but it's like, if they have a big name competition within their space mm-hmm. that they're trying to compete with, mm-hmm. calling that out might not be a bad idea. And then industry. So what are some of the common trends uh, you know, pains, challenges, problems that they face in their industry as well. You called out like in the individual piece looking for a podcast and things. I always like YouTube has been my number one thing for like a little over a year now where I type in their name yeah, and their company maybe even. And there's typically, especially if they're an executive, like popping up a good amount of stuff that they've said. Everyone loves to have their quote quoted back to them. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. You'll see it in some of my examples, podcasts and interviews are some of the best sources of information Gold. you can find out there. Gold. Hey, um, I see some questions popping up in the chat. If you could move them to the Q&A section at the bottom of your tab, that would be awesome as we're going through. And then everyone can vote on questions in the Q&A tab. The thumbs up will push it up towards the top. Um, but Paul wants to know really quick, Tanvir, 
when you're using this framework, how many accounts or contacts are you using this on at any so, given time? Yeah, we had a principle at Salesforce and I kind of used to follow it in deep degree, which is five by five. So five contact, three to five contacts per account and five accounts at a time. So I was prospecting anywhere between 15 to 25 at a time. Um, and essentially my approach to it was, okay, I have to get into, I have to break into new logos and I have to break into existing customers. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to reach out to new logos. Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm going to reach out to existing customers. And okay. so 15 to 25 contacts on both of those instances. Um, I can speak to kind of how I stayed on top of that cadence going for in, in some of the future slides here, but yeah. that was generally the amount of people I was reaching out to. Now, if you have a bigger territory and you have a lot of ground to cover, you might need to change those numbers up a little bit, but that's what worked for me um, based on the strategic approach that I was trying to take with my territory. I love it. Five by five. Okay, let's go. We're going to pick up our pace just a tiny bit here so we can get through all of your goodies. But I want to hear just like highlights on the problem piece. Yeah, you have to have something that hits home, right? So I would try, again, going back to a little bit of the personalization, if they've called out a specific pain or problem in their annual report, on their website, um, somewhere where I can get an idea of, okay, what pain might this person be going through um, and attach sometimes a KPI to it, right? So retention rate or leads falling through the cracks was one that I commonly used, right? Or um, monthly recurring revenue, like things that I can, that are, that are tangible and top of mind for that executive that I can present in the form of a problem. And then there's different kinds of pain. And these you wouldn't use all at once. You would use them in follow-ups. So what's a long-term pain this person might be going through? Short-term pain, internal pain, external pain. So long-term pain, an example would be uh, a lot of early startup companies eventually want to get acquired. Well, a lot of VCs prefer companies who have Salesforce within their within their organization. Um, and so that would be something that I might use, right? Uh, internal pain is things that your employees, like there might be high turnover. Why is that high turnover where, well, your systems don't speak to one another and they're tired of a rigid process that doesn't work. That's an example. So those are some different ideas to keep in mind as you conduct follow-up and, and keep the emails and messaging going. I like that. The There has to be, like, that's like a, a reason for them to answer almost, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You want to give them something compelling where they're like, oh yeah, that's, you want the, you want the person reading the email to be like, yep, that sounds about right. Like this is something that we're facing. That matters to me. Although I did get a really fun visual of you sending an email with like 37 problem points in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. See, that's, that's why you don't want to do too, too much at the same time. You want to focus on one problem at a time. Yeah. Don't overwhelm them. We all know we have things to fix. We can only do one thing at a time. Okay, point of view is your next one. Yeah, so it's great that you can identify a problem, but you're going to have something to say. If you want to be positioned not as just a salesperson, but also a trusted advisor, you got to be willing to sort of interrupt their thought patterns, their existing thought patterns, and present something that's thought-provoking. So a lot of the time I'll ask questions like, hey, what if you could do this? You know, um, Have you thought about X? Have you thought about Y? Um, for example, like again, going back to the the AI example, I might say something like, "AI is all the rage nowadays. Have you heard about it? How, what are you doing to to implement AI in your business? Here's how we've done, you know, X, Y, and Z with this company in your space to help them use and leverage AI within their business and cut their retention costs by, you know, thirty percent, twenty percent." 
Um, the other piece is, okay, again, can I, can I use specific insights to demonstrate that I'm an expert in this space? Uh, I've been doing some prospecting as sales leaders recently, and I'll say something like, hey, congratulations on wrapping up another, another fiscal year. I'm sure you're already thinking about how you can get your team off to a hot start. The numbers aren't really in your favor. Uh, the repview.com tells us that quota attainment has seen a steady decline over the past two to three years. And the recent state of mental health and sales report tells us that reps are more stressed and overwhelmed than ever before. What are you doing to address this? Yeah. Just as an example to demonstrate expertise with tangible insights, something from a report from data that I can use. Um, interrupting their thought processes. Hey, maybe they've said something again in an interview or something like that, that I could, you know, challenge them to think about indifferently or think about something new. And you'll see this in the examples where I use the exact words they mentioned to, to get into that thought process again. Um, and challenge the status quo, I think is, is a little self self-explanatory, but you want to give them a reason to decide that, okay, what we're doing is not maybe the best way that we'd be doing this. Right. Let me change it up. Maybe there's a different way. Yeah. Proof is your next P. Yeah, that is evidence, right? You can say everything that you want. You can have all this expertise, but unless you have evidence of your success or of your work, it's hard to actually get that meeting. So going back to my previous example, you know, I might say something to sales leaders like, hey, we've had, um, you know, 10 members from your company join our program, or we've had, if I'm reaching out to Salesforce leaders, I might say something like, we've had 100 plus Salesforce account executives enroll in our program as, an, as, as proof, right? So something that shows that, okay, we've done this before. We're not newbies at this. Uh, and sometimes you can use things like G2 for Stuart Gardner ratings to supplement that or a written video testimonial case study that you might have to, to again, show and demonstrate that you've done this. Sometimes like a lot of the examples that you'll see here, I'll just refer to the fact that I've worked with similar companies in the first email and I'll, then I'll provide more context in follow-up emails or LinkedIn messages. Yeah. I, there's something to that. And I think a lot of it is like, as consumers, when we're buying things for ourselves, we go look at the Amazon reviews or whatever it is, right? Like we're going to go look for people who have used or um, recommended that product or item in the past. It's the same, like savvy buyers, right? They, they're they looking for the proof. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. P.S. is next. Yes, is just something I, I find has worked tremendously in terms of adding another layer of personalization. A lot of people will skip to the end when they're reading an email. So when they see the personal touch also included at the end, it just gives them, be, what, gives them a little, wow, okay, this person has really put some effort into this. And a lot of people will give you a meeting just because they see that you've put in a considerable amount of research and, and effort into your messaging. So I'll just keep it short and sweet. Um, it's in some of my examples here, but it can... Studies do show and marketing studies do show that PSs tend to increase response rate. I still, and it's like, I think it's a debated topic. I think it depends on what um, industry you're in. I still, if there's a link in a PS, I click it. I do it every time. It's like yeah. a weird, a weird thing. As a consumer, I will click on the PS. Um, uh, anonymous attendee wants to know what a good open or response rate is in your opinion. It varies depending on, again, you have to vary it or average it out based on your industry. Um, usually like a 20% open rate is like a really good um, open rate for the average industry or the most commonly known industry, but some are less, some are more, but that's about the, the right amount, I would say. 
beyond colds, like people who haven't opted into your conversations. I know persist, I feel like is, is more of a feeling, a, a, a mental piece of sales. Do you have anything in terms of the persistence piece? Yeah, I, I don't have a breakup emails. You know, I don't, I don't, if I have a tier one account or tier A account, and I know that our solution can help this customer because we worked with similar customers. I will keep them in my follow-up sequence and I don't really use sequences, but in my follow-up cadence, so to speak, until I get a yes or a no. So, you know, like I said, every Tuesday and Thursday, if I'm prospecting the five accounts, three contacts deep, I will message those same people the following Tuesday and the following Thursday but with different touch points. So if if email, I'm not getting a response, I might go to LinkedIn. If I'm not getting anything on LinkedIn, I might go, you know, use the phone a little bit more. If I, I might shoot them a text midway through the cycle. I might send a video at some point in the cycle. Right. Whatever I feel is adaptable to that specific prospect, um, it's kind of how I go about it. I feel like that could be a hot take right there. I, um, maybe like polarizing opinions, curious, like no backup. Yeah, exactly. Bam! No, no, no freaking backup email. <laughs> break up email. Break up, why would you break break up with someone who's not even dating you to begin with? Yes, doesn't make. They any never sense. said. They never said yes to dinner. We can't break up with them. <laughs> they also can't yeah. ghost us. <laughs> they never showed up. Exactly. I find that if you're if you're politely persistent, as long as you're not pushy, if you're have good points, if you're providing value, if you're you know referencing proof, if you're referencing um, you know testimonials. And you're consistent enough. A lot of the time, you will you will get a response. Most of the time, it'll be a no, but that's okay. I'd rather have a no than a maybe. That's how I look at it. It's so funny coming up on Leap Day, the 29th, We have a show on persistence um, from the person who I take my cues on from persistence, Meg Holsinger, and Tom Aliyama is going to be there too. So I just dropped a, a link there. Oh, Ethan. So you're like four years old. I love a leap day birthday. So cool. I don't know. You can tell us if it's cool or not. But um, yeah, exactly what you're talking about, like pulling it in and how to, how can I keep showing up without being the annoying salesperson? And I will say, I do think that is a regional difference. So like depending on what region you're calling into, let's look at some of your proof points. Let's look at some of the receipts, some of the emails you've sent. Are you okay if I go ahead and share some of these? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome pull it up here. Okay, I know it's tiny, but can you walk us through what was happening here? I can. So a lot of people will look at this and say, hey, this is a really lengthy email. This and how I go about structuring my emails, I would highly recommend anybody to look into copywriting. Copywriting is the principle of kind of writing sales letters, writing like highly converted messaging in a sales context. And Basically, the one of the golden rules of copywriting is if this person leads line one, will they read line two? If they lead right line two, will they read line three? Will they feel compelled enough? And so that's how I've structured this, right? Again, the first line is personalization. You said this on the Pop Health show, right? And then I referenced specifically something that their CEO said. Our mission is to make blank. I plead to doubt the, the company names and such, but as a digital med- medicine company, here's my point of view. To become a digital medicine company, you need to have a digital foundation that is not only equipped to scale with you as it grow, but one that is well-equipped well for the future of modern healthcare. Now, in the interview, he mentioned, he referenced Dr. Evil, something from 
like a movie or or something something fictitious and i was i just want to reference that and i talked about what some of those things might be to prevent them from being a digital medicine company and that's the point of view the proof is in the you know are you interested in learning about how salesforce has been working with similar companies to address these issues and then the ps is right there at the end uh kevin o'leary made an investment in this company i was also invested and i just made sure to call that out so just a just a little added bonus um and then obviously got a great response back within 24 hours um and ended up working with them down the line yeah okay so you called it out at the beginning but people are already asking about the length but it's something it's the it's the lines that keep them interested right it's you said something that you're repeating back what he said you reference multiple things that they dropped in that podcast episode you're referencing something that the CEO listed as a priority for them. So it's like pulling them along the story. I feel like, have you ever watched um, or gotten sucked in by marketing on Instagram where they're like trying to pitch you a course and you go and you're like 10 minutes into a video where they haven't really said anything, but you're still there? Yeah. Give me a yes or a one in the chat. Has this ever happened to you where you get marketed something and it's like, yeah. And you're like, you're kind of wondering, you're like, why am I still here? But you can't walk away. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the strategy with this, right? It's like, I can't walk away from this. It's all things that I'm really interested in because I said them or my CEO said them. I care. I've shown too much effort and too much research in this email for at least not to be compelling for the person to read and look into. The other thing too, to mention here, Leslie, is I wouldn't do this for my two, tier two or tier three accounts. For my tier two to tier three accounts, I would be more, um, you know, personalized to the to the industry or the company or the persona. This I I only do for like my tier one prospects, the ones I know I'm really going to be able to help. And a lot of the times, that's where the strategic deals are found, the six figure, seven figure deals that that might be able to get you above and beyond. Quota. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's not all created equal, right? Like this is someone who you know has a really high chance of doing business with you. Okay, beautiful. Um, I want to, before we jump into your next example, uh, Anish asks, what are some of the top blockers you've faced as an enterprise AE and how'd you overcome it? And I want to just touch on that really quick. Is there something that really changed the game for you in terms of like removing blockers? Um, First of all, just to confirm, I wasn't an enterprise AE. I worked with, I prospected to enterprise companies when I was in BDR, but I worked all the way up to commercial accounts while I was at Salesforce. So just for some clarity, um, I think the biggest blockers were a lack of clarity. Like it was kind of what I said at the at the start of the call. You've got to be prepared going to your prospecting blocks. Going in blind is not going to help you. There needs to be intention and purpose behind your approach. And when you know exactly who you're going to get, reach out to, when you're going to reach out to them, with what context what problems at what point of view it just makes it a lot more clear and a lot more measurable and manageable and sustainable over time um otherwise you're just going to feel all over the place and that's not a great place to come from yeah yeah it's so true just having that process having some sort of like you put the framework together right let's see another one of your emails here yeah so this is a an added piece of personalization that i use which is if I have a customer that I can involve myself in their actual customer journey and figure out holes and, and gaps, and I do that. And so this was a, a behavioral health company where they actually had a, a patient onboarding process. 
which I went through. I put myself through that onboarding process to see, are there any older gaps here that I can address with our solution? And so what I noticed is that they didn't have, like, it, I, I, I was halfway through the therapist selection process, but then I X'd out. And I wanted to see, are they going to send me some sort of abandoned cart email, some sort of email to nudge me back in the direction to fill out the therapist selection? And they didn't. So this is something that I can address with our solution, right? Um, and that's how I positioned it. That's how I got the personalization and was able to speak directly to something that they're facing and that's happening in their business. So even more depth and, and a sense of clarity for the CEO that received this. Yeah, that putting yourself in that in that client's perspective and going through the user path can be insanely helpful. And then you're you're now the trusted advisor more so. I think that gets thrown around a lot that phrase or that term, but you really are like you're you're having the experience from the client's point of view, and you can come in with ideas to to help solve a, a real problem for them, right? I think the best way to look at prospecting or working with customers in general is what would I do if I was working for this company? What would I say? What would I call out? What would I challenge? That's when you become a real trusted advisor. Okay. I really like that. One more time. So what would you what would you do if you were working for their company? Like how would you move it forward? How would you challenge things? Exactly. If I was an executive in their company, what would I do to ensure that we're on target for our growth goals or for the targets or priorities that we have? And when I think about my messaging that way, I just have a better chance of ripping through the noise. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, another question came up asking about CTAs. And this one is, is this something you'd like help with? You have here, are you interested in learning more? What are kind of your go-to CTAs yeah. for cold prospecting? When I started like five years, six years ago, um, as, as an SDR, BDR at Salesforce, it was always like, can I you know, get 50 minutes of your time, 30 minutes of your time? Nowadays, like people, they're again, they're receiving so much messaging. So you want it just to be an interest-based CTA. Are you interested in learning more? Um, is this worth chatting about? Are you interested? You know, and I'll mix it up every once in a while. I don't have a go-to CTA. Um, usually, probably the one I use the most is, are you interested in learning more? But yeah, I just sort of mix it up and try different right. things. A more, uh, a softer approach than going for their most valuable resource, their time. Exactly. But hopefully I've provided more enough value in the email where they feel like, okay, yeah, this sounds compelling. Right. And they'll make that recommendation. Okay. The next one's a little cheekier. Talk to me about this. Yes. So this was uh, targeted towards a cannabis company. And just to give some clarity out there, it's not like a mom and pop shop. It was a data analytics company for leading medical cannabis. And one of the things that I would do to sometimes stand out is use images, right? Use some sort of and when you guys are watching YouTube, one of the things that stands out is the thumbnail. They say that thumbnails are the most important thing towards getting like a watch rate on your on your YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I sort of think, okay, is there a thumbnail that I can put in my emails? I do this on LinkedIn as well when I do or in video uh, prospecting. If I'm sending a video, a lot of the times what I'm going to do is I'm just going to screen share and I'm going to screen share their LinkedIn. So the executive's LinkedIn profile. So that, okay, it stands out and something that pops and they're like, okay, what's this all about? So here, you know, I reference something that this executive mentioned at a, at a talk. Um, and then I add some humor into it. I think, um, and I can get to get into this more, Leslie, but a lot of people don't 
like they take it too seriously. Like, how can yeah. I just like yeah. download this? How can I just have fun with this? And so that's what I did here. Um, this was the initial email set I sent out. After that's where Salesforce came out a little bit more text with a CTA, um, but I didn't get a response. And so in the follow-up email, which is on the on the next slide. Sorry. No, that's okay. I take it to another level, right? Which is, okay, I take it that since I haven't heard on you, heard from you, you went ahead and told on me. And then I go into some of those, what I call the twist the knife method. So earlier, remember when I was talking about problem, it was like, okay, internal pain, external pain, different types of pain. Um, I twist the knife a little bit by sharing, okay, well, cannabis can't solve the disconnected systems that you have in your business, et cetera, et cetera. And here I actually go for a harder CTA. If you're open to lending us 15, 30 minutes of your time, we can discuss how Salesforce can help you address those pains. So this comes down to the the bonus. I think the example here really highlights the the bonus HP that I have in my prospecting, which is play. This is a treat this like a game. Have some fun. Like try new things. That's how you break out of the status quo. If you're showing up to your prospecting consistently and just feeling like you're doing the same things over and over again, change it up. Find ways to play with your prospecting. And not only is it going to probably increase the lead to better response rates, but it's just going to allow you to have a better time doing the prospecting in the first place. Yes. Yes. And I do think like for everyone who's already thinking, is that not going to work for my industry or my group or whatever it is? My Like you have to test it. You don't know until you try. And there was a question that I want to bring back up. I can't find it in the chat, but they asked, are you using this? Do you have rules around when you're adding imagery, a GIF or a thumbnail into your emails? Is that message one? Or do you typically wait a few messages? Does it depend? Whatever feels right? Like, do you have rules around that? Usually the earlier I am in my touches, the more personalization or, you know, imagery I'll include. The later I get it on my touches, like if I'm, if I'm at from touch, you know, one to eight, I'll try to personalize a little bit more and have things like that when it's like stress touches like 8 through 16, that's when I'll try to use more proof, more evidence, more reports, more data to back up the initial points. But then occasionally I'll just mix it up. Like, I think for me, and maybe this isn't common, Leslie, but I don't have a sequence. I don't have a strict, like, oh, on on day one, I'm going to do email and phone. On day two, I'm going to do, you know, LinkedIn. On day three, I'm going to do leave a voicemail. That's not how I look at prospecting. I look at prospecting. Each prospect is a different prospect. What if they're not responding to the email? Let me try phone. If they're not trying phone, am I gonna is it gonna be LinkedIn? If they're not responding to that, can I use a video? So again, going back to what I said earlier, I don't use a sequence because I just go back to the same people with different forms, different channels, and different modes of prospecting. That allows me to have fun. That's how I enjoy the actual act of prospecting. And it just leads to variety in terms of what these prospects are receiving because like we talked about at the top of the call, different people respond to different types of messaging. So true. Okay, we're going to go quick style, but I want to show this one too, because especially the reply. <laughs> quick style, what do we got here? Yeah, again, um, off of a podcast, someone said something. I what? referred to a to an experience that he had as a child in that podcast. And I referenced you'll notice that the point of view is very similar to the to the point of views that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. right? So the point of view hasn't really changed that much because it's a very similar behavioral health type organization, but the personalization is different. So 
same sort of compelling messaging. The PS, I just try to resonate with them on a personal level, like, hey, I can relate or, you know, I've done something similar. Um, and yeah, getting that response back was was pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. And it's still like it might not pass the what we all think is like the shorter email, but it's because it's personal. It's because it just relates on a different level. Yeah. And I think one thing to sort of that's really important here when it comes to the opening, like the personalization, Mm -hmm. you have to have linkage between the personalization and the problem. You can't just say, hey, I saw you went to USC. Like I went there too, blah, blah, blah. It has to be you know, whatever this person said, did, mentioned, company, website, like anything that I can refer to as personalization, my problem has to somehow refer to that or illuminate on that. So there he talked about the hognose snake as part of the personalization. Um, My problem statement linked back to that to say, hey, a hognose snake is venomous to small toads. You're a small business. Here's how you should be thinking about it. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. Um. How much time do you spend on revenue generating activities or prospecting? And I'm curious from the whole group, I I put a poll up here. So whether it's prospecting, proposal, how much a, a day are you personally spending on on this revenue generating activities? Yeah, before, you know, prior to using some of these these frameworks. And just to confirm, revenue generating activities means anything that's generating pipeline or moving pipeline forward. Before it was usually like one to three, maybe. Um, usually on the on the lower side, so maybe two hours of quality revenue generating activities. I don't mean blocking off ninety minutes and then getting distracted halfway through and then half a big ghost can put. It's like quality, engage, focus RGAs. It used to be one to three for me. Now it's closer to four to six between okay. active meetings. And that's that's the level you want to be at. So you gotta be asking yourself, okay. Is there a way for me to get four to six hours of RGAs within my calendar? Yeah. If not, what what's in my calendar that I can defer, delegate, or delete that doesn't need to be there? Chances are there's a lot of that stuff within your calendar already. Um, and then I also use some personal tactics to to incorporate more RGAs. I used to get distracted by Instagram all the time. Yeah. Got that off my phone, right? Delete. So yeah, TikTok gone. Yeah, we were just we were talking before we, the show started. I turned off all my notifications on everything except for like calls and texts. But every app, I don't get notifications if I get an email. Don't get notifications for a message anywhere. It's actually really nice. I don't feel the need. Like I can go check those when I want to go check them, not because I'm being told to go check them. Magical. I want to share this <clears throat> one last slide before we start wrapping things up here. Um, this is kind of like your bonus, your bonus tips, right? These are things that you found while you've been prospecting. Just really quick overview for us. Yeah, bonus tips for me. One of the things that worked really well with executives is that most executives are really busy throughout the day in in and out of meetings. They're checking their email either early in the morning or after work. So what I would do is I would schedule the email to hit them either before work or after work, and that tended to lead to a better response rate. Um, so that's something that I can highly encourage. If you're not getting the response rates you want, try interrupting their inbox or interrupting, you know, their day early or after. Um, channel is just mix it up, right? Don't keep strict to if you're if you're doing email but not the phone, pick up the phone. <laughs> if you're, you know, doing not doing enough LinkedIn, like use that in a touch. You don't need to use it every touch, but mix things up because again, different people respond on different channels. Um, 
use different mediums. Are there images that you can use? You like vary it up with videos, vary it up with screen shares. Um, someone mentioned this in the chat, but screen shares are one of the most highest converting um, sort of video prospecting things that you can do when trying to reach out to executives because they're like, hey, that's my face. Why does the person have my face on their screen? Um, again, I don't have a, a sequence or a cadence because I care far more about consistency. The problem that I used to face when I would have a, a sequence or a cadence was that I would be like, I would show up and I'd be like, what touch am I on again? Or like, I, I knew that I would have to touch this person for the, not touch this person, but I have to do my fifth touch like four days later, but then I would get sick or I'd be on vacation or something. It's like, okay, I didn't get my touch done on time. So I care far more about consistency, which is why I have the same days where I'm prospecting to the same people um, every week. Consistency over cadence. I love it. We, I mean, time flew by and there's a million questions here. So I think maybe you and I get back together and get answers to some of these people. Um, or I'm also going to drop uh, Tanvir's LinkedIn here in the chat. Is it okay if people connect with you and ask their questions there too? Absolutely. You all can reach out to me directly over LinkedIn. I'll, I'll try to get to you as soon as I can um, and happy to answer your, your questions. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing just like your time, your expertise and what you've built to help you exponentially increase your response rate. Like you have some awesome results here. Um, we do a show every single day. If you want to join us, you can check it out at sellbetter.xyz. Thank you so much for being here. You will get an email recording so you can see all of this too. And we look forward to seeing you on the next show. Tanvir, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak to you. I had a great time, Leslie. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who came. Take care.